Welcome to Behind the DM Screen. Uh, three DMs helping each other out and talking about their games. It is April of 2017, and uh, Mike's not here, so we get an extra special DM with us. Jeff Wynn from the Appendix N Podcast. Jeff, welcome to the show. Woohoo! I'm here. Yeah, he is. Uh, at the Appendix N Podcast and the uh, Sailor Moon Silver Podcast, right? Yes. So if people are uh, interested in Sailor Moon, uh, they should go check that out. Yes, check out my new podcast, all about Sailor Moon. There you go. Oh, and I just messed up the timer before I started. Okay, and so we are going to go and jump right into it like we usually do. We don't do a lot of intro on this show. Uh, And I am first, so I will start the timer and start talking about my game. Uh, So as listeners would be aware, uh, although I'll recap for Jeff because he may not be up to date, uh, I am running a post-apocalyptic fantasy Earth setting, mashing up um, Out of the Abyss, and Princes of the Apocalypse, uh, as well as the old classic uh, Rod of Seven Parts and then some homebrews stuff all into one big adventure. Uh, And so we are currently in the middle of a stretch that's very focused on um, Out of the Abyss. So they're going into the Underdark. Um, They've had the whole council, so that's sort of the halfway point of Out of the Abyss. They have this council with Bruner, Battlehammer, and uh, Bruner sends them down with with support of of various factions uh, into the Underdark to find a place called Graven Hollow. Uh, And in Graven Hollow, they they will be able to access this great repository of information and figure out what the heck is going on with all the demon lords running around in the Underdark. But in order to find Graven Hollow, which is, is very well hidden in the Underdark, they have to go to a, a sort of Underdark outpost um, that the, the Zints have access to called Mantle Dareth and find this guy called Gazrim because he supposedly knows how to get to Graven Hollow. So um, they have they got to Mantle Dareth. I think that's what we talked about in the last episode. Uh, it was a whole session of just travel and, and logistics and random encounters. Um, and then they got so the last session I had, which was last weekend, they actually did the whole crazy thing in Mental Dareth where the whole city, I guess, outpost, whatever you want to call it, um, is kind of going crazy paranoid because one of the demon lords is actually there but trapped in a gym. Right? Uh, Fraz Ur Blue tried to uh, keep himself from being pulled into the material world. Um, when the whole craziness happened that brought the demon lords into the Underdark uh, and ended up trapping himself in a, in a gym, but still in the Underdark. And so that gym is being passed around from person to person to person. And it's making everybody crazy. And so while they're trying to fa- find Gazrim, I have sort of taken Gazrim and put him into hiding because he's freaked out because this gym being around has led to a, a sort of war between the local Duragar and this Furfneblin. Um, and sort of the drow and the humans are just sort of sitting back and watching them duke it out and thinking, you know, when's this going to spill over to us? So they, the, Gazrim is hiding. They go out into the city. They they um, see the conflict going on. They find out that the the fight is over this um, Svirfneblin who was kidnapped. I think it was the, a Svirfneblin that was kidnapped. Maybe it was the other way around. No, no, no. It was a Furfneblin that was kidnapped. They go off to figure out what's going on and, and to get this Furfneblin out, largely because they've decided that they want to meddle, um, not because that they need to, right? They're, they're there waiting, just looking for Gazrim. Uh, what they don't know is that um, by DM Fiat, Gazrim's not going to show up until they've you know explored other, other things going on in the city. 
Eventually, I let them sort of skip large chunks of the the sort of detective, you know, follow the MacGuffin here and there and, and everywhere sort of storyline. Um, because they're like, well, I want to pair, you know, um, detect magic with tracking and see if I can figure out, you know, if you've got a demon lord in a gym, it's going to leave some residual magic ground. So, so um, I, de- I determined that through a survival check and det- and lib- uh, uh, liberal use of detect magic, they were able to um, track the traces of this gem from place to place to place. So they got a little bit of the story of where it went and how it passed from one person to the other and whatever, uh, eventually leading them to the drow. And then the drow apparently left with it to go back to the Zint enclave and they headed over to the Zend enclave and it, uh, lo and behold there's Gazrim holding his diplomatic meeting with the drow only when the lieutenant comes out which is a beholder um, one of the um, drow attacks the beholder and it all turns into a big free-for-all and then a gargoyle comes down and there's craziness because all of those creatures ha- either have or had the gym and it drove them crazy so the drow has been exiled from his house. He thinks he thinks the only way to get back is to by by assassinating this this beholder because he's crazy because he's carrying the gem of Frazer Blue, um, you know. And then after all that deduction and, and investigation, whatever, they finally have their their big combat. Well, where they try to figure out um, what's going on, and they figured out that it, that it was a gem that they're after. So they were keeping an eye out for that, uh, and they don't really know what side to take on the whole thing, but they're kind of allied with the Zen, so um, they try not to, to just take the, the war that already exists and spread it to a war between the Drow and the humans. Um, and and it, it was a pretty fun co- little combat, and they managed to get the gym, um, and then they, they throw the gym down, and, um, and they smash the gym using Iron Fang, from the Princess of the Apocalypse adventure, which was actually one of the things I kept trying to figure out is like they, they got this this um, really powerful weapon and they're so afraid to use it because they're certain it's it's you know a tool of evil, which in fairness it kind of is. Um, so so they just threw it in the bag of holding and said we're not going to touch that thing. Uh, so finally, I managed to get to get the barbarian to pull it out and use it to to smash the gem. Um, and now he's like, hey, this thing's pretty cool. I'm going to keep that, right? Um, and then I took the, the, the character, the, 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 yeah, the character who, who originally grabbed the gem from the drow. Um, I stole an idea from, uh, I've been reading Dresden Files books lately. Uh, and there's a part of, of that storyline where at one point he, Harry Dresden, um, touches, in order to save somebody, touches a, a black coin that uh, has a fallen angel inside of it. Uh, and so he doesn't, he doesn't carry the coin, he buries it and whatever, but there's a little sliver of that fallen angel still in his mind tempting him, you know, helping him out with things and constantly tempting him to, uh, to do stuff. That, that, you know, will eventually lead to him taking up the coin and, and embracing, you know, this fallen angel or whatever. So I kind of stole that idea, right? They destroy the gem, but the character who first touched it uh, has a little sliver of Frazer Blue in his head. Just constantly... Oh, that's like, uh, like uh, Diablo. Is it? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, he didn't actually... Like, the gem is destroyed. But there's just this little shadow, this little sliver of, of the demon lord in his head. Just... Tempting him, like, oh, I'll totally do these things. And and, and Frazer Blue is, like, the, the master of, like, illusions and lies and things, right? So uh, when they're like, oh, well, 
you, you're willing to do this thing for me, what's it going to cost me? Uh, not, nothing, sir. I'm, I'm just here to serve, right? So it's just this constant, constant, like, um, it's constantly, uh, you know, placating the, the player uh, and helping out. Like, it's actually cured some people, helped them cure some people of madness um, that, because there's lots of madness in the Underdark because of the Demon Lords and all that. And there were several people that had some form of madness, and and the the voice in the head taught them a ritual to 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 remove the madness and uh, help them. Um, and, and one of the madnesses required the use of a modified teleportation circle, which was actually them opening up a, a gateway into um, into the abyss that would allow Frazor Blue to sort of start to send energy or whatever through. In order to achieve, in order Whoops. to achieve that, right? But but so so it's it's just the, sort of these subtle things. Oh yeah, I'm totally going to do this stuff. Oh, I can do this, but I need I need X Y and Z to do that, and, and all of the X Y and Zs. You know, maybe the X was necessary to help them, but the Y and Z are actually just slowly inching forward the the agenda of Frazer Blue. Uh, and so I'm kind of really enjoying uh, how that session ended. Although I kind of feel bad because I did have one player who um, was struck with um, was sight rot, uh, the disease, on the way to Mantle Dareth, and then spent the entire session last time blind. Um, because they didn't have the lesser restoration necessary to, to cure it. Um even though it's only a second level spell, we don't have our, our healer in the party is a bard, and they didn't choose that as one of their spells. Um, so they've been kind of struggling for lack of, of lesser restoration for a while. They keep they keep walking in, into things. Yeah, well, and, and then the player, like anytime a, a combat or or a possibility of a combat broke out, he's like, I don't know, you guys, you know, point <laughs> me in the right direction, you know. So I kind of felt bad that that player, like. Was blind literally the entire session, and then had it cured at the very end by the by the gem. So. Doesn't a uh, a paladin's lay on hands can cure that too, right? And we don't, don't have a paladin, paladin either. Oh man, you guys are hobbled. <laughs> the bard is the healer, you know. Um, yep. So yeah. So yeah. So so that's where we left off, um, and, and I and it kind of worked out well, right? I got my my frazzer blue sliver into a a player's mind who otherwise didn't really have much of a spotlight now he's got a reason to to have the spotlight every now and there is an element of storyline dedicated to him uh, which i'm happy with one of my other uh characters my other pcs that didn't have a dedicated storyline to him picked up iron fang and now kind of has a thing going on right he's got this this cool powerful war pick that wants to destroy everything um now they gotta get to graven hollow next time uh, and and my my concern with them heading off to Graven Hollow because Graven Hollow is really cool. It's it's this uh, underdark library um, ha- manned by three stone giants, if I remember right. Uh, mm-hmm. And each one is sort of in charge of a different period in time. So one of them is like the master of the past. One of them is the master of the present. One is the master of the future. And and they you know bring in information and you you're there and you see visions of people who who were in the library you know years ago and people who haven't come to the library yet but will be and then you'll be the vision in there and in on their visit and all kinds of stuff uh, so it's a really cool place and i'm looking forward to that but it's also another like you're you have a 20 day journey through the underdark and we're going to kill an entire session just traveling again um so i'm kind of open to your thoughts 
how do I a get them from Mantal Dareth to to Graven Hollow without having to go through the slog of an entire session of random encounters, and at the same time still get by the the point that the Underdark is dangerous and people are going crazy and and all these weird things are happening, which is kind of the whole point of all the travel stuff. There's all these random things that happen and people start picking up madnesses and that kind of stuff. This sounds like it would be a great application for the Adventures in Middle-Earth travel uh, rules. Ah, so tell me about how I can use that. Um, you would have to buy the Adventures in Middle-Earth Player's Guide <laughs> and figure out how to adapt that system to a game that's that's not that game. But I'm sure you, you could do it. You're Jeff Greiner, Dungeon Master. <laughs> Why why would the Adventures of Middle Earth uh, travel system be be preferable in this situation? I, I, it it that's basically what what it does. It it distills an entire journey of you know days or months uh, through various dangerous places into into a series of dice rolls, which you you then uh, narrate. And okay. there are there are in, encounters along the way, but you you you. You know, you you don't have to play every everything out. You just sure. everything everything just sort of sort of culminates in like ex- exhaustion and and mm. status effects and and other other things, other wear and tear on on the party. So you're so you saying could, that you could, the fellowship did not actually role play through the the blizzard in the past. That that was just something that happened to them along the way. I, I don't know. That's that was a book and, and a role playing. <laughs> it's, it's a role playing game. But I mean, what you you could, if you if you wanted to, just make make up a series of of dice rolls that that the players have to have to make. If it's if it's twenty days, uh, have them make twenty dice rolls or ten dice rolls or five mm-hmm. dice rolls, whatever whatever you think uh, is is su- sufficient, and you know narrate what. What happens? Maybe have them make some decisions. Like, do you engage with the thing with with the scary thing, or do you run mm. away? And then just when they reach their their destination, say, okay, well, you did you did this well, and you did this poorly. So uh, you're at, you know, you've you've exhausted this many of your hit dice because it's it's five e, right? You use mm-hmm. you use hit hit dice, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've exhausted this many of your of your hit dice, and you've got the I don't know exhaustion condition. And you've got disadvantage on this thing, mm-hmm. or whatever. So, I, and you're, the way you're describing it, I could almost, I, could, I almost envision it running it like a, a fourth edition skill challenge. You know, one of those traveling skill challenges. Uh, and and yeah. I actually have resources that I can take away because they have this whole entourage, that this small army of people traveling with them that these factions from the surface sent with. So there's you know scouts from the Emerald Enclave and there's thugs from the Zents and and what have you. Um, and I could and and they're all way much 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 lower level than the party. Like it'd be really easy to say, well, how well you do on these rolls depend determines how many of them died or went crazy. Right. If, if if you want to get get across the the idea that the Underdark is dangerous, you just have to make sure that that they do not reach their destination with everyone that they left with. Right. Well, I mean, they lost four or five on the way on the way to Mantle Dareth anyway. And honestly, I think they're kind of sick of them as it is. Though they, they've just become a group to babysit because they're so much weaker. So what I was going to say was uh, that sounds like the the prime opportunity to plan a series of like vignettes mm-hmm. 
and you can actually combine it with what Jeff was just saying because you could uh, you could basically make like a, a random table and you could you could think of like 10 or 15 things that could possibly happen when they're traveling through the underdark like let's say they get to a spot where there's a chasm and the the sort of makeshift bridge that has been created by someone who crossed that chasm previously mm-hmm. uh, is obviously dilapidated. And then they have to overcome that challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. And then then you then you just sort of vignette describe slash narrate the next couple of days and then they have another large obstacle they have to sure. overcome. Well I can and even use the I, get the next yeah. And, and but you could do it randomly or you could mm-hmm. you could just create like, okay, well what are ten things I would want to happen? And what you could do if you don't want to sort of play it out and, and elongate it or, or elaborate on it, you you could take it and do something like uh you could uh like there's this thing that the Apocalypse World games do, and basically every roll you make in there is 2d6. And the way it works is if you get um, 10 or above, you succeed uh, without without problems, basically. If you roll between a 7 and a 9, you succeed but with complications. And if you roll a 6 or below, you may succeed with major complications or you may fail. And you could sort of set something up like that where – you know, you give them some opportunity to kind of devise a plan, and then you use that kind of dice roll to determine if they succeed at the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I, I like I like that, and I can even um, determine. So I, there's this there's extensive like weird things happen in random encounter, mm-hmm. both terrain and, and creature encounters that you right. can roll up for the journey. Right. Uh, and what I did last time was I just pre-rolled all of them, so I didn't have to take time at the table to actually do all that. So I just had a chart of you know day one, day two, whatever. So I could determine when when the vignettes happen and when those things happen, those challenges right. they bump into happen mm-hmm. using that, and then mostly trying to aim for things they haven't already run into because it's the same table from the last journey. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I try to. Well, you, I, you could also just plan on like narrating fifty percent of whatever they run into, yeah, and just so. narrate their success yeah. and let them easily pass it. But then about half of them. They should have some sort of challenge, right? Mm. A role to make or, or uh, you know, right. a, a role playing decision to, to yeah, how they're going to handle a, it or whatever. A plan to devise and mm-hmm. and a discussion around that, and like you it. know, something very basic. Like you don't you don't want them to roll like you know the old four E skill challenges where everybody ends up rolling you know four or five times, and then you yeah. do the yeah. six successes with twelve you know within right, twelve right, right, right. whatever. You don't have to go all that complicated. No. Just, just figure out. You know, tell them. You know that they need to overcome this challenge, and they can discuss how they're going to do it. And then one or two dice rolls, and you'll know whether they succeeded completely, failed completely, or succeeded with complications. And so all you have to do for your ten or fifteen items is figure out what those three things would look like. What would it? What would it look like if they succeed completely? What would it look like? What would your complication be if they succeeded but kind of barely? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and as Jeffrey said, you know, you if you want to have some of their hangers on die, well, whoops, you know, it, it shows how dangerous it is. It shows how dangerous it is and also gets that massive horde of NPCs out of the way because <laughs> no, nobody really wants them there anymore. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, nobody's willing to kill them because they're good people, right? But, but yeah. 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 Okay, cool. 
Uh, and and I had my ringer down low, so you may not have heard, but my my time went off about four minutes ago. So, oh. but you were talking. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't going to stop you. So uh, before we move on to Jeff Wynn, I want to remind people to head over to patreon.com slash the tome show to support the show uh, for uh, as small a pledge as you want to give. I think as low as a dollar a month, um, you get a you get a shout out on the show and you also get to uh, get to have a little inside look as to what we're doing uh, and what's coming up on the show in the future and maybe help guide where we are. Uh, you could be just like Doug Palmer or Mark, who uh, who are patrons of the show, who get regular mentions. So there we are. Now we're on to Jeff Wynn. Woo-hoo! F- Fifteen minutes on the clock. Tell us about your game. You got a lot to say because we have no idea what you're running. Okay, well, uh, I have a Pathfinder campaign that I have been running with a group of my friends since about last summer, fall. Uh, it's a it's a pretty small uh, intimate group. Uh, there's 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 me and there's there's three players and I've I've known these people for uh, quite a long time ten ten years or more and uh, we we sort of had had stopped hanging out until uh, early last year and then we started hanging out again after a long a long time of not doing so and finally in the middle of last year we started started uh, gaming again and it's. It's been it's been going really well. It's been going it's 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 my it's my favorite game that I've ever played in or or run, and I'm really happy with it. Um, I am running uh, Pathfinder, uh, and I'm I'm do, sort of doing what uh, Jeff is doing. I'm taking three uh, adventure paths and and a bunch of other modules uh, that I've already uh, run for for other people. And I'm sort of mashing them all, all, all together into one s- storyline that that meanders wherever uh, the players want it to go. Um, what adventure paths are you are you mashing up? All right. Well, I picked the the Rise of the Rune Lords adventure path. I picked the Jade Regent adventure path, and I picked the um, the uh, Reign of Winter adventure path. And we're 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 we are just now after like eight months of, of gaming getting in, into the actual beginnings of those stories. I, I was running them through, through some, some uh, other dungeons first, like unrelated mm-hmm. and try just trying to, to get them familiar with, with the world and meet some of the NPCs who will become Im- important. Uh, the thing with this group is, is we, we progress very slowly. We meet maybe twice a month for three, four hours mm-hmm. and they, they they don't get much done in that in that time because they they like to eat a nice meal and talk a lot and it, it's maybe about two hours into the session before we actually get to uh, role playing and and uh, dice dice rolling but um, I'm I'm still very much in in enjoying letting them them take it at their own pace I'm I'm not too keen to push them them along even mm-hmm. though it, it, it does get get frustrating sometimes how little we we we, we get through um so anyways all right so they've they've just arrived in the town of sandpoint which is is the center of the rise of the rune lords campaign and the and the jade regent camp campaign uh and they've been hearing about these pockets of winter weather that are, are popping up all all over over the landscape and if they go investigate one of those they will they will sort of find themselves on the path to the reign of winter at adventure path and what i what i really wanted to engineer here 
was was a a campaign where where the players sort of drive the the action because mm-hmm. um, so I mean a, a lot of these these adventure paths that I, I've run are very rail, railroady and I've sort of been spending a lot of this 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 time laying 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 the uh, groundwork to where the, the players feel like they have lots of different poles mm-hmm. in in many different 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 directions and uh, 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 eventually, it's 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 going to be to where they can only really follow one of these of these s- storylines, and they're and they're going to have to abandon abandon uh, the rest. Uh, but for 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 now, um, they're they're in the town of of Sandpoint, which is the small little seaside uh, New Englandish town on on the coast. It's it's the the very first thing that that Paizo introduced when they created their setting. It's it's. Right. It's one of the most detailed little little towns ever. So it, it's just it's just chock full of, of stuff for them them to do. There's there's taverns. There's there's NPCs. There's like a whole uh, sordid uh, history of, of things that went on five years ago that they can hear uh, rumors about. the The whole surrounding area is full of uh, goblin tribes and and uh, other things. And they're they're about third level. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at the end of last session, they they uh, decided what that that what what they want to do is they want to go into Brine Stump Marsh, and because they heard about a uh, a a Tian junk that had been spotted uh, washed up on the shore, um, and so they 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 want to go see what that's about. And they they already know a little bit about it actually because I ran. A module called We Be Goblins for them, and it's a module where you you play goblins. Hmm. You you play goblins living in Brine Stump Marsh, and you go and you you discover this uh, Tian ship, and you you get a whole bunch of fireworks because goblins love love uh, fireworks. Uh, so like I, I I ran them I, I ran this for them like a couple months ago, just like like a one shot, just to like um, just as a as an interlude between second and third uh, level. Oh sure, uh, and yeah. So they're they're going to go into into Brian Stump Marsh, and the the goal of next session, which is going to be tomorrow, is is for them to to get to this uh, ship, and they're they're going to fight a skeletal uh, champion of a of a long dead uh, Tian samurai, and they're they're going to uh, discover a scroll, um, which which um, has has the secret uh, history of uh, the the um, uh, 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 barmaid that they that they ran uh, ran, ran into one of the, one of the most famous NPCs in in the Pathfinder setting is is uh, uh, Mako Kai, Kaijitsu. She's the owner of the Rusty Dragon Tavern. She was in, introduced way back in in Pathfinder num, num, number one back in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's her her she is a retired adventurer. She is the daughter of uh, uh, Ranjiku Kaikaijitsu, one, one of the town's uh, founders, who's kind of not a not a nice guy. And it also turns out that they are descended from the uh, imperial family of mm. of Tian, or the, the the imperial family of Ming Kai, which is basically uh, Japan on the other side of the world. Okay. So. Um, so, the, so they're going to find out that she's. Uh, from the imperial family, uh, uh, they're going to find they're going to find a scroll written in a language they can't read. Oh sure. And none of them speak uh, 
none of them speak Tian, and, and I don't think any of them have comprehend uh, language. But um, sure, but they 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 could potentially find out uh, Ameko's secret history, or they could take uh, the scroll back to town, and uh, Ranjiku could confiscate it because it's 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 his, mm-hmm. uh, and that that could lead. Lead, lead to things, or they could do any number of other things because they're they're players and they're always going to come up with something that you that you didn't didn't uh, think of. So that's that's one path that they could potentially. Uh, so follow. so d- does by by going after this junk does that put them on the path towards one of the adventure paths? I mean, they could still veer off of it at this point. It sounds like, but is this sort of the intro to to one of the adventure paths? Right, that's that's going to get them hooked in, into the Jade Regent adventure mm-hmm. path, which theoretically could take them all the way over the crown of the world, which is which is the the North Pole, mm-hmm. to Tian, which is the Asia analog continent on the other side of of, of the world. It's also going to uh, give them ties to the to uh, 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 Mako and and the Kaijutsu Kaijit, Kaijit, family, because they they also feature prominently in the Rise of the Rune Lords. Mm. Storyline. Um, so it could, of, it could just be NPC background into uh, this other storyline if, right. if they go that route. Cool. They they could just make friends with with Ameko, and later when she's kidnapped and her father is murdered, it'll mean something to them. Right. Which, by the way, that's a thing that happens in Rise of the Rune Lords. Spoilers. <laughs> or I mean, yeah, we're, we're not going to worry. Yeah, we're not going to worry too much about spoilers because we got to talk about our campaigns, right? Right. Um, so that's a right. Um, so I, I don't know if you want me to talk more about what they've done so far in sessions past, or, or what I'm what I'm planning for uh, this session. But that's that's as far ahead as as I'm thinking. They're going to ex- explore this swamp. It's full of possible things that they could run into: monsters, goblins, witches. Uh, and they're they're gonna find this scroll. How how does a junk end up in a swamp? Swamps usually aren't deep enough to hold big ships. Well, it's 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 on the coast. Okay. <laughs> it's a it's a coastal swamp. Sam, which one do you want to hear? Uh, adventures past or plans for the future? Uh, I always like plans for the future. Okay. But I have a question. Uh do you um are you using the like the anniversary version of Rise of the Rune Lords or the original? Uh I, I have both. So I, I reference either one when I need a okay. question answered. I, I've already run Rise of the Rune Lords, so I'm very familiar with, with the story and but I I'm not I'm I'm not running it I'm I'm not really not running any of these like canonically. Right. Sure. I'm just sort of pulling what I remember and pulling out what I think would be a great idea and just sticking it in when I feel like it. Okay. So, so you've, you've read through all the adventures and you're just sort of pulling in the hooks, uh, as, yeah. as they come so up like, as you I, think it would be cool. Yeah. So I, I made sure to introduce, uh, the character new, pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, is, is the, is the villain of the first chapter of rise of, of the, of the rune Lords. And okay. in the adventure as written, you just sort of run into her at the end of the adventure and you kill her. And unless you've been really curious and talking to townsfolk and listening to lots of rumors, you really don't know who she is, or but why she's was a really, but she's a really cool villain. She's a, she's a ASMR with a troubled past who 
uh, ran away from from home, killed her her dad, fell in with a cult of the mother of monsters, gave herself a a, a demon arm because she thinks that she's ugly and demons are beautiful, and this hmm. and this this whole thing ties into um, a a uh, to to a to a, a evil magic artifact that's underneath the town, which, again, unless you're really paying attention, you don't even get that these two things are connected. Hmm. So I introduced her really early on as, like, a minor crime boss in uh, the city of uh, in the the city of Magnamar. Uh, And they they actually, like, did some missions for her. Mm -hmm. And I think I think one of the characters actually has a a crush on, on, on her, which is which is cute. Because uh, she's totally going to step all, all all over his 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 heart and. <laughs> well, and you kind of get the you. I mean, that's that's a really great thing to do to to introduce yeah. the NPC that's going to be important later early. Uh, I, that's one of those things that that I oftentimes try to remember to do, and I'm not always great about it. But but to to think of ahead of time of this person is going to be important. How can I even just sort of as an aside make them part of the story earlier? So that mm-hmm. when you know the big turn or the big betrayal, the big reveal, whatever happens later, then it has all the more impact. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really smart, and I like that idea. And it, it, it does yeah. sound like a cool character. It's kind of got this this fallen angel vibe, being an Asimar, right? But um, yeah, well, they they they. I mean, Paizo made Asimar interesting. Interesting uh, again, because I mean, if you if you think about it. If you're if you're if you're a beautiful angel child growing up in a town full of rural, rustic, superstitious, uh, normal people, you know they're they're gonna come to you and like ask you like oh kiss kiss my kiss my baby make my crops grow uh, you know why didn't you make my crops grow mm. you know and plus you know girls are gonna when you when you get to adolescence girls are are, are going to whisper things about you but behind your back you know uh, boys aren't going to want to ask you out or you know yeah that's that's cool pretty 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 sure Aaron Evans could could write could write a great book about teenage asmrs <laughs> um, i i also I made sure to, to introduce uh, Aldern Aldern Foxglove who's who's another npc who who plays into rise of of, of the rune lords um, his, 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 what his fate is that he's supposed to eventually become undead mm-hmm. and stalk the players and like, like leave little, little notes and clues and things. And again, in rise of the Rune Lords as written, you meet him for like one encounter mm-hmm. early on. And he's kind of this, this foppish guy. Uh, and then he goes away. Right. And so so I, I introduced him again. They, they met him in Magnamar. He was addicted to uh, Pesh, which is mar- marijuana. Um, they, they, they had him. They, they, they just ran into him a bunch of times. And, and eventually, uh, Nualia gave them, them the mission, get this, get this guy out of the city and sober him, him up. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's some people that I work for. I can't tell you who they are. Need him to do a thing. I can't tell you what it is. But you're you're goody two shoes nice guys, and I'm a villain. Um, so you can do this better than me. Get get him out of the city. Go show him some trees and some flowers. Take him on one of your ad- adventures, and you know get. You're fine. Finish your thought. 
and and get him to to where he 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 needs needs to be. So which you know may may lead to them finding out more about this this guy and mm-hmm. his troubled past, which which they otherwise wouldn't find out about if I ran the the adventure as written. Um, and it also is potentially a a lead into the Reign of Winter camp campaign, because because the Reign of, of Winter campaign starts with you looking for a a uh, noble who's been lost in, in 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 one of these unseasonable winter patches that have been mm. popping up all over you know m- you know mysteriously in the middle of summer all these winter weather conditions are are popping up all all over the world. So I'm thinking like if the players aren't really paying attention maybe aldern will just slip off to go boar hunting and they'll go, ha- go have to find him and they'll stumble across one of these you know crazy crazy winter winter uh events and that that may set them on on the path to doing that yeah i was gonna say because that seems like the storyline that doesn't is is there's less foundation for right now all the others have a pretty strong like they're in the they're in the place they need to be they've met the npcs they need to meet um and so the you know there's um a strong foundation on the other two. Mm. The winter one seems like the weakest at this point, but you you do have that NPC connection. So if it's a right. oh by the way this person went missing, then now you got to make a decision. Are you going to go deal with X, Y, or Z? You know. Um, yeah. You know. I actually they, have. A they've also heard a, heard a heard a prophecy about about Baba Yaga, but that's like that and what you said is is about. <laughs> it. What's your question, Sam? Uh, I was just going to ask, like, if you. Um, if if they end up uh, push, you know pushing in more on one of the paths are you just going to sort of ignore the other things or are you going to kind of in the background let them hear you know about certain events because that the other stuff that they decided to not not go towards is actually still happening or are you just kind of doing the Mm. freeze frame where if they don't pursue it it'll wait for them well here here's the thing unlike unlike the forgotten realms stuff that that jeff's running uh, all, all three of these paths kind of lead to widely diff- different places. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Rise of the Rune Lords takes place pretty much where, where they are. Uh, Jade Regent takes them to the other side of the world, and Reign of Winter will take them to uh, to other other planes. So there, it's very limited as to what they would they would hear about. Mm-hmm. Okay. In okay. in in I mean those I mean sure yes I mean uh, events would still pl- pl- play out, and if I can think of a way to weave them back in at, at higher levels i i will but uh it's it's unlikely like if they choose to go to uh tien you know they're not they're not going to hear about what's what's going on in 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 Varizia, and they're not going to hear about what's going on with the the winter witches so okay okay cool and for the record I'm playing. I'm two of the adventures i'm running are based in the, or were written in the realms but i'm not playing in the realms i'm on earth <laughs> so there, I've placed them in all kinds of different places. The, the their entry to Underdark, Underdark was under Hollywood. Okay, so you've so you've made made effort to like mash them all 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 together in a in a way that they can't totally like abandon one. Yeah, no. So they're all pr- pretty uh, inextricably connected. They all are have a, a super villain that sort of is behind all of them. Yeah. I mean, if they if they pursue Rise of the uh, sorry Reign of Winter uh, far enough, they they will gain access to um, they they gain access to Baba Yaga's dancing hut, which, mm. as you know, can travel dimensions and go anywhere. So they could presumably return to one of the previous storylines. Mm-hmm. And it has chicken legs, so double. Wing. Yeah, 
All right. Uh, I think your time is up. That was great. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I want to remind people before we let Sam talk that if uh, if supporting us on Patreon is not your thing, and it certainly doesn't have to be, uh, you, there are other ways that you can support us because I know you are shopping on Amazon, and I know many of you like to buy uh, products on DMs Guild, and you can go to thetomeshow.com and click on our Amazon or DMs Guild links, and then... They can track that you came from us, and we get a little bit of the a little a little cut. You get the exact same Amazon with the exact same prices, the exact same experience. Same thing with DMs Guild. We just get a little uh, percentage off the top. So that's another way people can support us. Uh, now, Sam. And when he says little percentage, he means little. I mean, percentage. Amazon's is between what four and six percent, depending on the product. So it's not nothing. It adds up. And, and those are things I share with, with the contributors on the show. So Sam gets a little piece of that. Jeff gets a little piece of that. What about once a year? I guess I was thinking it was more like a half a cent. Yeah, no. no I, wasn't, I, mean, I wasn't – I mean half a percent. I was, I was thinking it was I – I thought it was much less than that. Yeah, well, that's no, good. It's then. not bad. Yeah, I, I get an, an, an Amazon gift card, so it, it, goes, it goes right back to, back to Amazon. So I can, I can buy books to, to, to do the appendix and, and podcast. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> All right, 15 minutes on the clock for Sam. Go. All right. So I have a new D&D group, and woo. I mentioned it at the end of – yeah, woo. I mentioned it at the end of the last episode, and uh, now we have had uh, three sessions, and it is fantastic. So uh, what meeting, I'm doing – weekly? No, no, uh, every two weeks. Um, the plan is twice a month, uh, with some months having three – like this month is three, but then April is going to be, or March was three, and April is going to be probably only one. So it's going to average out to twice a month. Um, so hopefully that'll that'll be sustainable for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I started them out at level one, and we're playing fifth edition. So I am I have been reminded for three sessions now just exactly how squishy level one and two characters are <laughs> uh-huh. in fifth edition. So they're, they're almost, they're right on the cusp of third level right at this point. Um, but what I'm doing is I, I was trying to, I didn't want to pick are you tra- up. Are you and, tracking so, experience points? I am. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> yep. I am. I'm, t- I'm too old school. I can't do that miles today. Now I, I sort of am. I'm sort of not. So the, the way I, so let me tell you what I'm doing and then I'll, and mm-hmm. then I'll explain how I'm doing that. Um, so I'm sort of doing like a hybrid thing because, um, so two, two of the players are brand spanking new. They have never played D and D, uh, and they, they they basically just started. One of them has a little bit of experience with D and D, but not with fifth edition. And one of them used to play D and D way back in the AD and D days, and then sort of didn't game for a while, and now is coming back into fifth edition. But also GMs uh, for a group of youngsters. So, um, so one of them had one of them has extensive knowledge of five E, and the others have basically no knowledge of five mm-hmm. E or D and D. So, so I wanted to start them off. Uh, at first level because I needed them to be able to learn how to learn my style and learn what their style needs to be and learn learn how to learn their character. You know what I mean? Learn, learn, learn. That's mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted. So I knew they were going to be squishy. So I kind of, I've been, I haven't been, I won't say I have, I've been taking it easy. I haven't been taking it easy on them, but I've been really trying to be cognizant of the fact that they're very squishy. So what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm playing my homebrew world and 
but I, I'm sort of um, the the latest Pathfinder Adventure Path. It was I, I sort of smiled when Jeff said the thing about Pathfinder Adventure Path because I I had heard and and I read Pathfinder Adventure Paths even though I don't play Pathfinder. Because um, they're because they're great to read. They're they're good to read, but they're but a lot of them are very linear and and a lot of them sort of fall apart uh, yeah, towards the yeah. towards the end. Um, and so I've I've never actually run a Pathfinder adventure path all the way through, but for several years now I've read different pieces of different ones, um, and and I've sort of stolen ideas from from them because they have they all they often have very brilliant ideas within them, but you can take that kernel and, and use it. And so that's what I'm actually doing with the most recent Pathfinder adventure path, with which isn't even completely released yet. It's called the Iron Fang Invasion, and they they kind of went back to the sort of basics of, of fantasy uh, role playing, and they've they've created a storyline that's based on a, an a, an invasion of of, uh, of of humanoid creatures. Okay, mm-hmm. and the the very first part of that adventure path has the the players' hometown start getting invaded, and. So I wanted to do something like that, but not exactly like that. So I I ran the first session, and the players decided at the beginning of the session that they they wanted their characters to not really know each other, but they have seen each other around town because all of them have been have been in this little town out on the frontier for a couple of months each, and one of them is from the town, but the other three have just been sort of hanging around. So. I didn't want to have the town invaded because I want them to have a hometown, a home base area that they can go to, maybe. So they end up uh, meeting each other and having a bunch of interactions that turned out to be quite hilarious because, of course, in, in D&D style, one of them is a rogue and picked the pocket of one of the other ones when they were at the open-air market. And what he picked out of the guy's pocket was the trinket that I had. I had them roll up a trinket. And uh, the trinket was this piece of paper with some kind of contraption drawn on it and notes in a language they don't understand, which was perfect because uh, – so spoiler alert. One of, the, one of the reasons why the invasion can happen in the Iron Fang storyline is that there's this basically artifact, magic artifact – that allows the invading army to sort of create a portal in the middle of town and have all of the hordes spill out of the portal. Ooh. But it has it has a key that you can use to sort of set the portal and where it can open and where it can't open and you know when it closes and, and where it leads to and all this kind of other stuff. And so it was perfect that the one character, you rolled a trinket that was basically the contraption, which... Uh, so if you're a player in my game and you're listening to this, turn it off right now. Uh, <laughs> but um, so the contraption that he has, the schematic, is going to be the key to that thing. But they don't know it yet because it's written in primordial, and none of them have any knowledge of primordial other than <laughs> the fact that that exists. So so that turned out perfect. But one of them one of them picked the pocket of the other one and got this thing, and so he's seen it, and the other guy's seen it, and so. Basically, all heck broke loose, and uh, so they don't—they didn't really trust each other. And then a bunch of things got to happen in the first session and the second session that led them to be able to trust each other a little bit. And they ended up taking on the most ridiculous, mundane job ever, which was to uh, deliver some cheese from one town to the next, 
uh, which uh, they were going to be paid quite well for because it's very expensive cheese that is made from cow's milk, which is very difficult to come by uh, in this particular region. And so it's very expensive, giant wheels of cheese. But there have been bandits raiding the road, so all of the deliveries that have been attempted have been waylaid. So they take this job. So they're they're accompanying giant wheels of cheese uh, in a donkey-pulled cart across the country, basically, and they get attacked and waylaid by all these goblins. And so that was kind of the beginning of the invasion. So... I have these special goblins that I write about on my on my website where it's this kind of weird thing with goblins and how they procreate and, and how they sort of they develop outside of the body and they, they do all these really gross things and they're sort of be, being incubated all throughout this big forest that's right near the town and hmm. the players figure that they figure that out and by the time they get to the town halfway through when they're supposed to deliver the cheese that town is being invaded. So they get in there and they... So that's that's them. the hometown invasion that you were talking about, but you didn't want it to be their actual hometown. Right, and it's not their hometown, but it's the town that was going to be their resting spot in the middle of their journey to deliver right. this giant wheels of cheese. And it's near so, home. What's that? And it's near home. It's near home, but it's a few days away. I mean, it's not so close that they're worried about their hometown right. at this moment. They will be in a minute, but they, but they aren't yet. Anyway, so they they discover the portal and they rescue a bunch of uh, villagers who were going to be taken and enslaved, and some little kids, some some young men, little boys. They're, they're like twelve or thirteen, so they're little kids to us. But you know, in this <laughs> world, they're, they're you know medieval times. By the time you're a twelve year old male, you're kind of an adult almost. Um, and so they help cause a distraction so that the group can rescue a bunch of more commoners and then the kids get captured and so the party feels responsible that the kids got captured so they try to go rescue them so they go into the portal and the the portal isn't like a magical portal with a you know like with a misty area and you walk through and you disappear it's a portal that creates a set of stairs into the ground and when you go into the ground you're actually going into like a dungeon that previously wasn't there, you know, mm -hmm. in in the town, and that dungeon is the dungeon from uh, from the Sunless Citadel, ah. in Tales mm. from the Yawning Portal, but greatly changed. There's no kobolds. There's no the, the factions are all these weird goblin tribes that, mm -hmm. and in in this world, the goblins aren't enslaved by bugbears and hobgoblins. They're they're not like the lesser. They're still kind of cunning and not extremely high intelligence but they are powerful enough in numbers and they can reproduce fast enough that they're not they're not subject to being you know the sort of you know ridiculous humanoid they're actually they can get quite powerful and so there's no hobgoblins there's no bugbears there's just tons of these different goblins that are in there and so that's where they're at. They're in the Sunless Citadel dungeon. But of course, I've changed it quite a bit. But that basically, that's the map I'm using, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of the same sort of tropes that are in there, and the traps and everything that are in there. So it's quite fun, um, and quite deadly for <laughs> for this group. Of course, two of the players did not roll above a five all of the last session. So uh, <laughs> finding traps has been quite difficult. Uh, disabling any trap has been quite difficult. Uh, saving throws have been <laughs> quite difficult. It's it's pretty tough. Um, so what I'm doing for experience, since you asked, real quick. Um, you got four minutes, you're good. 
Okay, I, I thought I heard the alarm go off. No. Nope. Um, so there are certain sort of landmark things that if they do those things, it's going to give them enough experience to get either a full level or a half a level up, up to the first five levels. So I sort of have these kind of milestone things built in, but they don't automatically provide the level. They just give kind of like half a level's worth of experience. Mm-hmm. But I'm also tracking experience for the things they do and the creatures they overcome and the challenges they overcome. That way I can sort of gauge and make sure that even if they don't hit a couple of those milestones, they'll still be progressing fast enough to right. be able to deal with the challenges that are later. Because later on it's going to get real tough. That's a pretty classic compromise between milestones and normal experience in, in terms of giving giving a, a, a not – you know, not insignificant uh, bonus for for story beats or, or quest right. completion or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And let me tell you what my problem is. And I've had this every time I run Five E. So I've run I've run three different games of Five E, and uh, and a, plus a couple of one shots, but th- those don't really count. But my problem is I, I I gave them inspiration and I forget to encourage them to use it. Mm-hmm. And I have I have physical chips. I have really nice twelve gram poker chips. They're really high quality. They have really great tactile feel. And I hand them out at the beginning of every game because they still have their first freaking inspiration point that I gave them for free at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I I keep forgetting to encourage them to use it. There's been a couple of times when a couple you know they've had good ideas and I've thought oh I really wish I they didn't I really wish they didn't have an inspiration point so I could give them one. But then I, I don't encourage them to use it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I got to find some kind of mental trick for myself to, to make me do that because I, I, re- I can remember to give it to them. I sort of have things in mind where, oh, if they come up with a good plan for this, I'll give them one. And then they don't use them. Mm-hmm. Do you guys yeah, you have, yeah, you have so that I, problem? I, I've been so focused on trying to remember to give inspiration points. I have a little pile of them. I bought the, the metal uh, D20 tokens from mm-hmm. – uh, uh, campaign coins at Gen Con yeah. last year, so I've got like six or seven of them just sitting in a pile behind my DM screen to remind me to give them out. Um, and so I've gotten a little bit better. Not all sessions. Like I had some really great role playing in my last session, and then I got to the end of it, it's like, oh, I should have given out like four inspiration <laughs> tokens, and I did, just thought of it now. Yeah. And now it's too late because they only last for a session. <laughs> um, so so yeah, and, and then. In ter- I mean, that's, so that's step one. They can't use them if you don't give them out. Um, right. But even, yeah, when I've given them out, I would say I have given out um, uh, maybe a couple dozen inspiration points in the current campaign total, um, which isn't a great record, but it's not horrible. Uh, and yet I think I've only seen two or three used. Like they, they, they hang on to them until they really need them. Um, yeah. And then they do so so much that then they end up never using it, which is weird because like my players clearly want to use a mechanic like that because multiple of them have taken the lucky feat, which allows yep. you to do rerolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- they re- make regular use of the bardic inspiration to give bonuses when rolls are, aren't quite as good as they want it to be. Um, so so clearly there's there's something about this that they like yeah. doing, but having that little metal token in front of them just hasn't been a great reminder for them. So they can, they can only have one inspiration at a, at a time, at, at a time. Right. right. Yeah. Well, um, at, at first I was going to say, if they're not using them, take them away. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, well, you can say, you can, you can just say that, yeah. you know what, your, your inspiration has worn off. You were inspired. Yeah. Now, now yeah. you're not. 
it expires yeah, yeah. at the end of the yeah. session or something. Yeah, or or, or yeah. three sessions or, or or whatever. Well, rules is written; they expire at the end of every session. Hmm. Well, yeah. there there you go. Or uh, make them use them. You know, uh, lean on them. You know, tar- you know, single single out each player and put them in a in a deadly situation and say, you know what? If you spend that inspiration point, you can you can make this go go away. Yeah. You know, or or threaten an, an NPC that they that that they care care about, or mm. you know put you know put put two fires at at opposite ends of ends of town, you know, or or just you know just just give them a situation that they that they can't get get out of out of easily, and then and then tell them, oh, you can if you spend your 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 inspiration point, um, a a solution appears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I that's mean, a good so idea. you could certainly, yeah, use them as as currency for more than just what the rules say, right? Um, as a currency to solve problems, other than just you get a, you mm-hmm. get to re-roll something. Um, that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that that teaches them to use them in the way that that it's intended. Um, yeah, you know, which mm-hmm. I, I mean, if that's the goal, if not, if it's just to use this to do cool things or whatever, that becomes. Um, I feel like there's another game that uses a mechanic like that, right? Where you get these these points or whatever that you can spin. To I was the I was thinking Star Wars. Star Wars. I was thinking, does Fate do something like that? Fate has a Fate point economy. Numenera has the XP economy. I yeah. mean, there's a lot. So Fate does it where it's supposed to really be like you get you you're in a situation you either have to spend a Fate point, right. or if you choose to take the consequences, you get a Fate point. Right. You know. Um, I guess so. The thing is, you mentioned the lucky feet. So my rogue keeps forgetting that he has the lucky feet, and I have to keep uh, reminding him. Oh, you roll the one, you get to re-roll. You know, but I. Th- but see, that's a slightly different thing because the f- that kicks in no matter what. They don't have to spend anything. You know what I mean? So I could see why they want to take that, and then it's kind of thoughtless. You don't have to actually expend something to to make that work. But if I remember, whereas right, the, the with, lucky with the. the ins- if I remember, the lucky feat also gives them like two lucky points per day oh, or whatever. Is, oh, is this the feat that they the get to spin to do a reroll? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, I was and, I was thinking the feat just gave them the lucky trait, but you're right. I think it is. A, yeah, because they're using that. Yeah, interesting. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's not as though the game's not fun, and I'm looking for something to spruce it up. Um, it's just one of those things where, and mm-hmm. and I did this with Numenera too, where I really. I want to see if it works within the, you know, within the game mm-hmm. as the way it's written and the and the way that it's meant to be. And mm-hmm. you know what? If it doesn't, that's fine. But I'm yeah. trying to still give it a chance, you know? Yeah, I did a whole 5th edition campaign completely forgetting to give out a single inspiration point in the entire game, yeah. campaign. The, and they get the a lot of fun. I, the last time I ran it, yeah, the last time I ran it, I totally forgot as well. For, yeah. We ran like an 8-session campaign, and I didn't give out a single experience, uh, single inspiration. Even And then that's when I got the chips, because I was like, oh, I'm going to get these, and I'll remind... I didn't remember. But I'm I have getting, remembered I'm getting this better. One, <laughs> yeah, I'm not there, but I'm getting better. Oh. But yeah, so I'm super jazzed. I think the game is going great. I'm letting them basically direct what they want to do. You know, they didn't have to go down into the dungeon. They could have stayed uh, up top and they could have uh, tried to help rescue more people. They could have just gone around and moved on and, and tried to go, you know, get some help somewhere else or just go deliver their cheese. I mean, they, they, they're basically completely driving the action with their choices. So it's really fun. 
And sure. that's one of the things with using those adventure paths because it's given me like this foundation of different things to do, mm. but I'm not actually running the adventure path, so I don't have to make it linear. Mm-hmm. I can just mm. let it happen organically. You can pull the elements out of it that are cool and whatever, yeah. Right. Yeah. I did the same thing with the uh, murder of Baldur's Gate too, so. Did you ever read the I think it's the 80s Forgotten Realms comic books that I think Marvel published? Hmm. I never did. Okay, so no. so you you keep talking about this this cheese that I have to carry, and it, it constantly reminds me of that old comic because um, <laughs> that is, it established that there that um, halflings apparently um, experience cheese like somebody does like LSD or something, and it's highly <laughs> it's highly uh, addictive or whatever. Like so, yeah. so the halfling character keeps going crazy for cheese. You know? <laughs> well, you're, Sam, you're you're goblins the way you. To describe them sort of sort of remind me of a of a mishmash of of 40k orcs and and uh uh green green uh martians oh yeah Ugh. i don't know anything about 40k orcs so well uh, yeah. 40, 40k orcs is i i don't know much about them either but they're they're gross fungus creatures like they're like okay. they're, they're not actually orcs or they're, they're like mushroom people mm-hmm. or yeah but uh the, the 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 green martians from um from john carter of mars they've they've, they've got oh, like yeah. Incubators, like like yeah, you yeah. like yep. you d- described. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so not so. What happens is these these uh, these goblins. So um, the goblins lay eggs, but there's like a queen. So it's almost like a hive society a little bit, where only yeah. the queen only the queen lays the eggs, and then there's like a couple of matrons. And they they care for the eggs until the eggs are like bowling ball size, and the eggs turn kind of translucent, like it's almost like this uh, amniotic sac that you can see through, and so you can kind of see the goblin growing inside of it. And they have to hang wow. these sacks a certain distance from from the ground, and then they have to light a fire under the sack so that it's exactly the right temperature to keep the orc to keep the goblin growing. And then they do that for two or three days, and then the thing grows up. And when it hatches, it's like ravenously hungry, and it'll basically attack anything other than another goblin and try to eat it. So if you accidentally stumble upon like a clearing with a bunch of these things hanging there, and you and you sort of wake them up, and they and they claw their way out of their their sack, yeah. they'll attack you and try to eat your face off. <laughs> it's like that, a scene from Aliens really... walking in with all the the, the face hugger. Uh, yeah, eggs. and that was the vibe I was going for yeah. because they kind of stumbled into this clearing, and it was like, holy crap, these things are evil looking, and they're and they basically the ones that are that are that are uh, aged enough, and they're hanging in their sack. They have like a tremor sense, so that if you make enough trimmering in the ground it'll actually trigger them to wake up and and try to claw their way out it's yeah. it's it's a pretty yeah it's pretty nasty actually yeah that 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 really sounds more sword and planet than than sword and sorcery but it's still really cool yeah 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 you've got this this awesome sort of elaborate uh, you know physiology of goblins for your world that's really cool mm-hmm. so. yeah awesome. music. check it out i put stat blocks on there and everything there you go people for, for, the, for the sort of lower the lower uh, the lower tiers of those uh, so yeah, awesome. Well, we have each talked about our games. That's fifteen minutes plus fifteen minutes plus fifteen minutes, which equals one hour and three minutes. <laughs> plus plus extra exuberant talking. So absolutely <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and, and and put a pin in this episode and call it done. Uh, so uh, that's our games for this month. And uh, everybody, get out there and play your games and have fun. Uh, say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.